everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Eisen podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had such a great time chatting with Nicole Lee Mosty. She is an American that moved to Iceland in 1999. During our chat, we talked about the challenges she faced when she first moved here and including any other challenges she's had since moving here, especially since she has done some amazing things, such as being the first woman of foreign origin to be the speaker in Icelandic parliament. I mean, it just blows my mind when I think about it, how awesome that is. Nicole shares a lot of insights and definitely does not hold back about what she has experienced and especially the feelings that have come up along the way on this journey of her living in Iceland. She goes into what it was like trying to find a job when she initially got here. And even as she rose up in her career regarding getting more education, taking on roles with more leadership opportunities, there were different things that she went through that I think is just amazing that she's been so open about sharing those. And of course, regarding learning the language, which as many of you have probably heard, if you aren't learning Icelandic, that it is a journey for sure. <laughs> and I can speak personally about that. Um, you might have heard me talk about my language learning journey and how that is something that is continuous. It is not always pleasant, but I'm getting there and so many others and people like Nicole who are at such an amazing level when it comes to knowing the language inspire me all the time to just keep going. Nicole is very active in helping women of foreign origin. She is the chairperson and board member of WOMEN, which is an acronym that stands for Women of Multicultural Ethnicity Network. And this is an association in Iceland which helps to support women of foreign origin, and I think that's awesome. There will be a link to the organization in the show notes if you want to read more about it. In addition to recording the audio, I also have a video recording of our chat, which will be embedded in the show notes of this episode on my website, allthingsiceland.com. Due to COVID, we had to do the interview virtually, but such is life. My goal for the near future is to have all of my interviews on the All Things Iceland YouTube channel so you can see my guest and I interact. Already I do different content on my YouTube channel, which is more fun. And of course, you can see me physically talking about things and going to different places. But in terms of the interactions, there's always a lot of laughing or at least usually there's a lot of laughing, depending on the topic, of course, on the podcast. And I just think it's great to be able to visually bring that to life on YouTube. For all those folks that like to just listen to the audio of this podcast, don't worry. I will continue to have that as well. Before jumping into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to Danielle, Melton, Mark, Betty, Noah, Paul, Julia, and Oliver. They are all members of the Ausgardur tier in the All Things Iceland Patreon community. Members of that tier get a shout out in the podcast each month. They also take part in live chat groups with me each month, ask me anything, and other benefits. There are four tiers of membership, and if you would like to help support the evolution of all things Iceland and get access to awesome content only available on Patreon, you can join at patreon.com forward slash all things Iceland. 
Lastly, please note that there are some curse words used in this episode. So if you have little ones around and you don't want them to hear those words, I advise you use some headphones. Nicole, thank you so much for sitting down with me to chat today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm excited for many reasons. Your inspiration and also just your journey to where you are now and the things that you've done as a foreign woman in Iceland are incredible. But before we get to those those highlights, okay. the parts that are, you know, like, that are awesome, so amazing, because your journey in itself, I'm sure, has a lot to it. And so it would be great to hear where you're from and how you ended up in Iceland. Okay, uh, beginnings. I am from a small town in Sturgis, called Sturgis, Michigan, in the United States. But like all Americans, I had my, my journeys. There was a little Colorado here, a, a little Boston there, a little California there. Um, and here, I, I always make the joke that my uh, current husband, then boyfriend, dragged me here. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. If only that were true. No, I, I, uh, I was fortunate enough when I lived in Boston to have met a wonderful man who was just as cute as could be. And uh, we, we hit it off. And when he brought me to Iceland, I was immediately just, wow, this is a thing I want to try out. <laughs> nice. Okay. And what year was it that you ended up coming? We moved here December of 99 uh, because it was so important to my Icelandic husband who, uh, if people don't know Icelanders, there's just one thing. They always come home, regardless of, mm. of how long they they, uh, they live elsewhere or, or whatever. There's always this pull and this love uh, back to Iceland. So it was time for him to come home and he wanted to make it home right. for the millennium. So we came in December of, of 99 and... Uh, Made it for the millennium. <laughs> <laughs> and no disasters happened. No, it's good. <laughs> no, 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 no disasters. Even though I admit that uh, New Year's Eve is sort of like a major disaster war zone, something I'd never experienced before. And in 20 years, I still kind of, uh, is it over? Um, yeah. But it was supposed to be a two-year stay. 20 years later, here we sit. <laughs> <laughs> like it's two years. Times 10, no problem. Right, right. <laughs> so, okay, and when you got here, was it easy for you to adjust or were you, like, were there any challenges that you faced, any culture shock type of experiences? It was not at all. I mean, I, I had visited a couple times before and, and when I had visited, it was just lovely. You know, I came with my own, uh, you know, money and, and spent it however I wanted and didn't have to think about, you know, really making a living or doing anything here. I just, uh, yeah. and everyone was so, you know, I was exotic and interesting and, and, mm -hmm. and that. And then when I came here and I wanted to be a part, it was not the same thing. You know, it was, mm. I was given a broom and said, hey, start over, honey. <laughs> well, not in wow. exactly those terms, but uh, the only job I could get was in, was in cleaning. So I'd okay. come with uh, different qualifications. Um, and it was really difficult for me to um, find my footing. I, I felt, uh, you know, coming from the United States in a, in a mostly white area and um, sort of a liberal. I mean, Boston has its conservatism, but there, you know, I was in the, I had moved from downtown Boston to Cambridge. So lots of liberalism and whatever. Mm -hmm. And here I just, uh, I felt like an alien. 
I was like, mm. you know, every time we spoke English in the store, it's like I could hear the wind on people's heads when they turned. What are they? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, the whole you know, immigrant phenomena was just sort of kicking off here. And, and um, oh. I found it all just uh, really difficult in the first two years. It was, you know, I was always looking for that escape route. Are we going now? Are we done? Are we, have we done this? Are we good? Are oh. we? It was, uh, and, and, you know, the darkness to get used to that. I mean, Michigan winners are, are and Boston winners are renowned but there's at least daylight and uh, yeah that's true <laughs> consistent like you it's not like all of a sudden it's closing in on you and it's dark right like yeah. in Iceland it's so yeah I just it just it was just really really tough um yeah. and, and I just couldn't really find my footing and and that positive me she kind of disappeared somewhere she was just all of a sudden okay. negative and 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 all I could see were were challenges and things that weren't the way I knew or or understood which you know that yeah. for me I don't know if it was a, a prejudice or not and and these wonderful Icelanders that I had met a few times before they all of a sudden seemed to me to be prejudiced and, and difficult and, and, you know, always, you know, wow. it, it was just, uh, it was a, a little bit of an eye opener, but I, I guess that's the immigrant experience in, in, uh, in the majority of situations, not too many people, mm-hmm. you know, land in a, what, what do you want to say? A cotton cloud of loveliness and they just sort of yeah. transport their current life. And, and it was just a real eye opener for me. Yeah. Were there other foreign women or foreigners in general that you were interacting with, or was it mainly like, you, your Icelandic family, and then any other people that maybe you worked around? Um, in the beginning, uh, because like I said, my only first job was really cleaning. Then it was, you know, me and the mop. And I don't know where the mop yeah. came from. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Imported from Poland, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but, but there, there was an Icelandic woman who, who worked with cleaning uh, with me. And yeah. uh, we, she, she was pretty cool. And we, we formed a bond. But, uh, you, you know, Icelanders are really involved in, in their families and their close networks. And you know, I, I wasn't a part of her network. I was, you know, sort of uh, ad hoc. <laughs> we, yeah. we, you know, she was, she was uh, wonderful when we, when we cleaned. And there were a few times that we interacted outside of, and, and it was really comforting. Um, the family thing, it was, um, it was a bit difficult. My mother-in-law did not speak any English. We sat at the table with a, a dictionary and I found one in one word and it was, you know, hand signing things. It was, uh, yeah. It was, and, and then there were, you know, there were cultural things, you know, maybe expectations of me and, and that I didn't maybe live up to in the beginning or because of the communication dis- disconnect. And, uh, and, yeah. uh, but, um, and, and I was fortunate enough to uh, marry the only son in a family of five, five very headstrong women. <laughs> so I had some ground to make up and, and meet the grade. But uh, so everything was just everything that had always come naturally to me just seemed difficult and yeah. and big and and that those first steps and trying to learn the language it was so difficult because you know here i was a you know a positive independent uh go getter happy open person who all of a sudden talked like a baby mm-hmm. i had a, a very limited vocabulary very very limited understanding and it just everything just seemed tough <laughs> yeah i hundred percent relate to this as I'm learning it. You're fluent, which is awesome. And that also is part of what inspires me in terms of your journey. Granted, it seems, you know, your hand signs, even at the time, it probably was very hard. I'm I'm guessing it helped shape at least like 
this persistence and willpower and, and within you to be like, I'm going to learn this language. So like, so can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Did you go formally to school? Did you, you know, just try to talk with people? Yeah, well, coming from Michigan, uh, we're all pretty fond of, we all know sink or swim. <laughs> we're all thrown out in a lake at some point. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was... Uh, sounds scary. <laughs> it, it sounds scary, but uh, no, it, that was kind of what ended up happening. And it just happened, you know, that I just had to say, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to find a way. And and I, and and uh, so first it was the dictionaries, and uh, and I, you know, at the time I had a cleaning job, and Icelandic courses are expensive. And at the time they were very expensive and I didn't, I wasn't paying into a union and I didn't even know, no one told me I could, I could apply for a grant at a union, even if I had been in a union to get yeah. the costs, the cost had not, re, had not reimbursed or, so I just, it was just an expense that I, I couldn't do, but it was a, a necessity. So, you know, then I started uh, looking into working in preschool. Because I thought, you know, where, okay. where where can I go where people are learning a language and they're and you know they speak in simple terms? So and you know where I have access to, and that's where it was. So I was fortunate enough to get a half you know half a day job, uh, in in a preschool where which where I was basically you know a pawn on a on a chess game. I was just kind of a warm body. I I, I didn't have many responsibilities. I wasn't trusted really okay. to be alone with kids and and. It was it was really odd, but you know I picked up on some things, you know, good words and bad words, and yeah, <laughs> uh, I got to That's use good... trial and error. That was a, a, a big yeah. way. But when it when it started to come, and I started to feel confident, um, and 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 I felt that I was able to you know get my footing, sort of you know like mountain climbers. Those first few, I, I could see there was a hold for me here for you know left mm -hmm. and right. I uh, you know I took bigger steps and. Uh, you know, conversed with people. A lot of conversing, yeah. it really helps. And as soon as people saw that I was working for it, then I also felt to reach out. And yeah. um, and then I just, you know, went back to Michigan and I applied for university in the field I was working in with early child care. And I went to school, uh, not to learn specifically Icelandic, uh, just to be in school and to, to use yeah. the language and to learn a trade and, and learn a language that was useful to me. Right. Only for another yeah. sink or swim type of situation because you're you've been learning kind of you know through experience rather than in a structured situation and yeah. then you jump into a school situation which is very structured but all in Icelandic well <laughs> so, the, that yeah. this was a, a sort of a lucky thing was a lot of my stuff was in English so I was oh, able to okay. so, so I would sit in a class and I would be reading it in English and the teacher would be speaking in Icelandic and my my so oh. so I was able to work between languages and it really helped me. nice but but you know the okay. thing of it was is you know I could have gone to university specifically for Icelandic. We you know a lot of people that route is always open to us and it's and and it's a really good structure at the university. But I just didn't have time. I had bills to pay. Mm. I couldn't be yeah. you know full day in at the university learning Icelandic and trying to have a roof over my head because it is expensive living here. Exactly. Exactly. So I one uh, thing you go ahead. no it's okay. I, I think was I was say, just one thing you brought up. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you brought up that I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss was you mentioned you didn't know about the union. And yeah. so like, just like workers' rights thing, I, I feel like that's actually still an issue now yeah. when people come here. And it's, it's crazy to think like 20 years ago, this is something you grappled with when you first started working. And then there are plenty of people that come in and still don't know that this certain like privileges, not privileges, but they are um, 
they the have right. access to resources. Yeah, they're right. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Is they have rights when they're working. Mm-hmm. And that part, you know, we'll get in for sure the fact that you work with women of foreign origin. But I think that's, you know, an unfortunate thing that is still the case <laughs> with foreigners that come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long did it take you, do you feel, to feel like you were fluent in the language? Was it some years? Oh, years. And, and you know, even now, even now, I still, whoa. <laughs> Well, that went over my head. It's a, it's a difficult yeah. language. It's a living language, just like uh, English. So there's you know always uh, new things, um, and they're very protective of it. I mean, uh, right mm-hmm. now, I don't know anybody who watches Iceland from outside, but we have something called a naming committee, <laughs> which by law makes sure that we make sure that we adhere to laws and how we uh, use the Icelandic la- language in relation to naming. So, um, you know, there are boundaries and, and we have all kinds of gatekeepers to make sure we're learning it right and we say things right. Mm-hmm. And so there are social etiquettes where you say something wrong and you get corrected uh, sometimes harshly and sometimes not, which hinder a lot of people from wanting to speak Icelandic, which is right. a huge hindrance for using the language because, I mean, that's the whole thing. Language is trial and error from from exactly. the get-go. So, um yeah, uh, learning it. I, I'm still working on it, and and I still get lots of slag for how well I am or how well I am not in the language. But at this point, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, go, go for I it. just don't give a fuck anymore. I just don't give a fuck anymore. And I I know that uh, it's important that people like me who started with zero Icelandic and are somewhere here on the on the span that we're out there, that we're speaking, that we're heard, not only for Icelanders to accept us, but also for those people taking their first steps to feel like, whoa, if she did it, I can do it. Yeah, and and she's exactly. someone I can look to because she gets it. She's not going to give me any guff. So, uh, right. and, and I think that we kind of have to be that way because we have to be, we're, we're all over the place with, with learning Icelandic. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's, um, there've been, I've landed in situations where I sort of make my own words up. <laughs> <laughs> based on, you know, different things. And Icelanders like that. They think it's charming mm-hmm. and they can appreciate the fact that we create new sort of nuances. <laughs> so They do it too as well, like for fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, it kind of makes the whole, everything that's difficult and that shyness and it just makes mm-hmm. it all a little bit easier because no grown adult wants to feel less because of the right. fact that they haven't been afforded this huge vocabulary that they have access to somewhere else. So, right. like I said, exactly. I, my philosophy anymore is, you know, sink or swim, go for it, nose to the ground, and just don't give a fuck. It'll come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Great advice, because it is easy to overthink. I've definitely fallen into that pit before, where mm. I was just trying to get reasons every time for why this is said this way instead of, you know, why there's exceptions or whatever else. And you literally are just searching for reasons not to learn. And that's when you get yourself in that, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like, well, I don't understand this, but this doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. And it's like, right. learn it. You know what I mean? So that yeah. part is not that important. It's not like it's going to make or break whether you learn the language. It's just more about a little bit more memorization exactly. for some exception or whatever else. Yeah. And, you know, I've come it's, full circle. I'm struggle. correcting myself into saying wrong things now. Like I'll write something. I'll be like, oh, oh no. <laughs> that can't be right. And I'll fix it. And someone will, you know, someone will read over it, and they'll be like, oh, no, it's like that. Oh, I'm so, so proud of myself okay. for having it, but then, and then, but then, like, well, why don't you have the confidence to, to own it? <laughs> yeah, second guessing is, is tough. 
Yeah. So you went to school. Yep. And you ended up getting your master's in education. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So then after that, what is the road for you like? You because I I a little little bit about your story. Yeah. So it's nice to kind of think of, you know what was your trajectory at least in your career after that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because my my trajectory after that was just uh, I mean it's like I was on this uh, euphemistical had not what what's it what Trump was saying the other day that we're in a we're on a rocket with COVID. <laughs> I, I literally Which the rocket he's talking about yeah. is not the same. That's actually the rocket happening. It's like a skyrocketing of cases. <laughs> like, you know, like... Exactly. The rocket he's talking about was SpaceX three years ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> sorry, not making light of the situation in the States. No, but wow. no, no. But, but that's literally what happened is, you know, I, I, uh, I went through, I, and, 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 and let's just be honest about this. When, when I went through, um, I decided to give a stab at this early childhood thing because I I really liked what I was seeing there and I saw a lot of room to uh, to be creative because I you know I like to be creative I'm a I'm a an ideas person and and there you could have an idea and you could run with it and the consequences weren't too tough and it was really fun so um so I thought well you know I'm going to try this thing and I went for my bachelor's and I was able to do what was called distance learning but it's sort of semi distance learning. So I okay. was working in the preschool at the time, and I was afforded the opportunity to work 100%. So I was cleaning okay. in three places. I was working 100% at the preschool, and I was in the semi-distance learning, which was 75%. Intense. Yeah. Welcome to immigrant life. <laughs> yeah. Best experience of my life, uh, you know, kind of like childbirth at the time. I thought it was hell, but uh, today... I wouldn't change it, and I'm so thankful for it, and it was no problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so, so I was doing this, and uh, and it just everything just seemed to fall. Everything just seemed to fall in place with every step that I finished something. Then I, you know, I went from being uh, this pawn in the chess game where I was outside in a, in a, in a, what they call a craft gully, a snowsuit half the year, watching over kids, uh, to literally, you know, being a group leader where I could do projects with kids and, and, and take uh, story times and, and do things to being a, a lead teacher to, to leading uh, sessions and, and work with the primary school for, you know, children moving up into primary school to being a project manager with uh, diversity and bilingualism. Uh, and then there was an opening for an assistant principal was just when I was finishing up my, my bachelor's and going into my master's, I grabbed it, uh, had a baby while doing so. And oh, wow. uh, okay. yeah, <laughs> it was like, oh, I got kids now. Okay. Let's see how this works. Well, slow down. I quit the cleaning jobs then. <laughs> uh, but then I, I go into my master's and, and, and all of a sudden I, I sort of fall into a space where there's a need for a voice and an understanding around cultural diversity in early childhood mm. education. And I, um, I, I didn't fall into it. I threw myself out there into it and it opened up a space for me to become a principal. And, uh, nice. and when I, when I stepped into that world, then I saw that uh, it wasn't enough to just be in school administration and, and, you know, do well with school policy and those families and those children there. And I really needed to be a voice and an advocate on the bigger mm-hmm. scene where you need funding and, and, and space right. to create. So I got involved with a bunch of different developmental projects and, um, there was a new political swing where there were new people were ready for new ideas. And I just pushed and shoved and had political people into my school to see what we were doing. And it opened up a road to me being invited to take part in politics. Nice. Yeah, that is, 
amazing. It sounds a bit like a, a roller coaster ride of many things, different things happening. It was. <laughs> and, and quite exciting as well. It, okay. And in the school, as, mm-hmm. as a principal, you know, were you seeing a lot more multicultural children, meaning like kids who were either with parents that had mixed backgrounds or maybe coming completely from different countries altogether, both parents? At one time at the school, because I I always kept track. And the thing of it is, is I I worked in a school who had, I don't know if it still does have, as I'm not there anymore, Mm -hmm. but I think it does. At the time I was there, it had about 84% children of a multi-ethnic background. Wow. But that's not the only, uh, that's not the only, um, they also, we also had a very diverse socioeconomic background. Unemployment mm, okay. at the time was at its highest, and that was still, I think, only around, I don't even think it was as high as 8%, but it was when we were going through our last recession. Yeah. It was over 27% in our school. And the different reasons for those, Whoa. you know, for people to be not in the workforce, they, they were just as diverse, uh, you know, single young moms, people who were on disability pays, uh, yeah. people who chose to stay home, people who were in edu- in a different educational things, people who had literally just lost their job. So, so it was a really yeah. diverse set of needs around this school. A lot of issues with, uh, like I said, social social economic. We had uh, wealthy parents and and parents who were just scraping by. So it was mm-hmm. a real lesson in you know in, in community development through education right. it was it was great it was oh I loved it yeah that's amazing <laughs> did you face any challenges in that job because principal because now you're you know head of the school and there's I'm sure a lot of expectations yeah. from parents and teachers you know the biggest problem that I didn't even realize that I faced it okay. was prejudice Ooh, okay. How right, so? At the time, I didn't, you know, I just went out there and I was just, you know, I was going to do everything I could to do things right. Uh, mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, just literally, you know, flying blind. <laughs> it's it's kind of like I, you know, I was given the keys to the castle, but no instructions, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> call up other principals. Hey, how do I? <laughs> so, so, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I jumped in and I, and I went at it, but then I, I, uh, I realized that um, being bold uh, doing the right thing and thinking about things that were lasting really, really mattered. And, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, just went out and created initiatives, raised my voice. And with time, I started to see that I was getting resistance and uh, mm. back talks and things like that. And I didn't really understand the resistance. I thought it was just because I was trying to do things new and, you know, trying to prove mm. myself and trying to be this voice. And I was just trying too many things. But then when I realized Later, it had to do with me. Okay. I was, yeah, I was not traditional. I had employees Mm. who were not satisfied with the fact that uh, I was younger, I was foreign, I and I had these new Uh, ideas, and I was getting resistance there. I had resistance from some parents because you know they had different expectations regarding what should be happening in that school. Um, I got resistance, not so much from other principals, more sort of what she thinks she's doing, which I would hear from Ooh. the side and, um, and little things like, you know, when I try new things, for example, I decided that my employees should present themselves, uh, in their little bios on the website. And I got a a phone call. I will not say from what organization or what it was, but from someone who literally was, uh, someone that I need, you know, should have looked to 
for inspiration, direction, and, and maybe, you know, over me, called me and said, I needed to fix my website. And uh, that the wording on it wasn't wasn't good enough. And they were making a direct link to my Icelandic background when the truth of the matter is, is the wording came from my own employees who were Icelandic, many of them, but maybe had that socioeconomic background, learning disabilities or whatever. And I just, uh, you know, yeah. Wow. And that, that, that's just yeah. one example, but there were, there were other things. So prejudice okay, was, yeah. was a thing that I just, uh, I kind of ignored it. I guess I thought that, you know, some of the prejudices that I had faced that they were just stupid, but then mm-hmm. other ones were just non-founded and they're just things that I didn't expect because I always, I just never thought of myself as different from anyone else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How weird <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's definitely like, you know, I think coming from the U.S. in certain areas of the U.S. too, that can be the case. Mm-hmm. And so when you come to a place that's so insular, obviously it could be a culture shock that way. Yeah. But in this case, it's like you were in the upper echelons of education. Mm-hmm. So, which is, I'm sure, a different beast mm-hmm. you know, than the previous experiences that you had or maybe other people have had. So just in that position of power, I think also comes with potentially people having criticism, harsh mm-hmm. criticism, because it's like the children, the teachers, like you're representing everybody and making yeah. decisions for everybody, whether it's unfounded or not, it's a totally different yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's just, I guess in essence, part of the job, it's just yeah. unfortunate to, to feel like being a foreigner in this case was maybe considered negative yeah. by some people. And I've gotten yeah. that in everything. When I went into yeah. politics, and, and the, the first position in politics that I took was uh, as a community leader here. I, I chaired the, the community, and, I, and I, I love the neighborhood I live in. I, I love all the possibilities that are here. It's, a, it's called Breitholt, and it's a culturally and, and socially. It's, it's just a really diverse, wonderful community. And um, I got a lot of slack for, for being foreigner. Maybe I shouldn't mm. be in that position when I was in parliament. You know, we don't want you on our parliament. Go home, Yankee. I was called a Trump wow. whore, uh, which, 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 you know, deeply, deeply, deeply insulted me. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so and this they, was yeah. when you were serving as speaker. Yeah. Or this was just, yeah. okay, because we're going to definitely get to get to that. Yeah, so, yeah. Whoa, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just like I'm trying to like I'm, I feel like I'm trying to recover. <laughs> just like this. And so, but these were coming from people that were constituents, meaning mm-hmm. like they're you know part of the general public. Yeah. Inside of Parliament, were they saying anything? No, not that I know of. No, 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 no. Uh, in in okay. inside of Parliament, um, uh, first Parliament as an institution and the people that work there and whatever. Um, I have never um, experienced integration like I did there. Uh, the way that they they took me in and they they understood uh, my my lack of of maybe understanding not only for tradition but you know but uh, just Icelandic politics and and things like yeah. that. They 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 were really really there really. And and when I left, I have to admit that I was sad. I still left them. I took them candy and <laughs> oh, <laughs> and went and had picture taken with everyone. I I I just really and 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 I could look to them for so many things. Um, and 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 they were wonderful. And other politicians, um, you know, no, no one treated me disrespectfully there. But I mm. um, 
I, I mean, I, I never experienced another parliamentarian, you know, coming, but I, I did realize that were some that were til, you know, tilbun, sorry, Icelandic. Were, yeah, uh, yeah, I heard you even say like, yes, nah, you got like your Icelandic filler yeah. words and everything coming out. Yeah, that's, that's right. They, they were prepared <laughs> to sort of uh, play with me, play with mm. my inexperience, my willingness, my lack of knowledge. They were, they were, there were people there who were, were willing to sort of manipulate the fact that uh, I was an outsider that I didn't have a footing in the history of, of their parties or, mm-hmm. or all of the legislation and, and, you know, sort of that, you know, being five or 10 steps behind that they you wanted to use that to their advantage. Um, yeah. Okay. But they were doing this in, in a positive way or meaning like yeah, just how politics are just in a, in a, yeah. in a, in a political okay. way, but no one blatantly treated me poorly. And, and I think um, uh, okay. some of them, they uh, they really um, learned a lot from working with me because maybe they hadn't worked with a lot of foreigners and uh, the knowledge that I brought with me that, that uh, I could feel that, you know, maybe I was good for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and on that topic of you being in parliament, we might as well yeah. just jump into that because this is the part where I learned at least a bit about you and then specifically with your um, associations with mm-hmm. women of foreign origin and work that you've been doing in your community. But in terms of parliament, so you've made history as the first first generation immigrant mm-hmm. of, uh, who was a member of parliamentarian, parliamentarian, a parliamentarian. Wow. Yeah. Got to get that out there. I know. <laughs> it's it's it rolls all the tongue so well. And <laughs> as well as the first woman of or foreign origin speaker mm-hmm. in parliament. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So those are like trailblazing things that you've done. And I would assume, like you mentioned, there's like, the inexperience of obviously if no one's been in this position before you, right? <laughs> there's like a lot to learn. And then also the reactions that you're getting, how the public is responding, how, you know, your fellow members of parliament are responding. Just if you go a bit into that journey and like any moments or like the, the exciting parts about it, the challenging parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A challenge. Uh, again, it was sort of flying blind. <laughs> Um, uh, exciting was the fact that, like I mentioned, as an institution, they took really good uh, care of me. For example, with the um, the speaker, um, mm. just you know, the idea you you sit in that chair and you are running parliament essentially. Yeah, it's, cool. it's steeped in tradition and and rules and a lot of things that you have to understand. And um, they really took a lot of time. We we, we called it. I got to test drive the seat a few times and. <laughs> And, and, and gave me sort of helper sheets so I had the right um, language and context. Right. And, and they, they, they gave me a longer time to um, sort of integrate into it while other parliamentarians, even though they were new to the position as well, uh, they were, you know, thrown right into it. They'd taken the seat and, and, and uh, they really took good care of me. And um, I was also chair of the um, welfare committee, which, you know, mm. And I'd had experience for chair of Braithold, but I knew everything that was going there, and I worked really closely with our with our you know community manager. So um, it wasn't really a thing. But then uh, the the lawyer yeah. who works with you, she uh, just she took my hand and guided me through it, and 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 just you know took care of everything. I found out later that um, uh, when I spoke in Parliament, you know, like I said, I got to a point where I just said what I said, and I knew there were mistakes. Because of the fact that all of your speeches are, are, are written and kept in, in the archives and on the web and are always mm. accessible, 
that uh, I found out later that the person who was uh, doing the writing um, respected so much the you know the work that I put into everything that uh, put a little bit more extra effort into making sure that I looked good in the records forever. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Yeah, which was so super awesome. endearing. Um, yeah. You know, but when we go back to the whole thing with letting me be who I am, you know, it's, yeah. it's, but just, just the fact that they understood that and they understood the institution. Um, challenging, again, just not knowing uh, everything. And, and I'm a, a very open person, as you can see, the words just fly from me. Um, it took a while for me to understand where I needed to put my guards up and where I needed to protect mm. myself from from lobbyism that I just didn't understand. And mm-hmm. so, so that was a real challenge. Yeah. And I read an article about you having kind of an emotional moment. Mm. And and that was strangely reacted to, meaning like, you know, public and all that. So if it's okay with you to kind of talk a little bit about that moment and, and why that was kind of, I guess, important for you to just share what you were feeling at that time? Yeah. Um, so it was um, at the end of each session, we have a day. Uh, it's um, it's um, where we have our, our speeches are, it's kind of like the State of the Union, I guess is, it mm-hmm. would be the okay. equivalent. Yeah. So it was State of the Union. It's nationally uh, televised. First time, I mean, Parliament is always, you know, online, like C-SPAN and, you know, people, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Some people watch it and, and we're really good at letting me know they needed to have my my uh, my session's text set <laughs> because they didn't understand anything I said, and uh, <laughs> which is baloney. But, but, but I never really thought a lot about it because sometimes you're in Parliament, you're just talking to yourself or you, there's one parliamentarian and you're nodding to them and you're having a one-way conversation. But uh, so this was a big day, and everyone, you know, dresses up, and the and the, the parliament is set up with flowers, and and I was told that it was sort of a wrap up that we needed to say, mm. you know, sort of you know what we'd worked on in the year, and and you know, sort of you know to put something on it for your party, for for you, mm-hmm. for the nation, and here I am, the first woman of foreign origin, and I, you know, I had been through all kinds of things. I mean, there was a period where I disappeared from Facebook because I just didn't want any more of the creepy trolls. I just, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. You know, um, I, I, my, my priest and my mother both told me once that, you know, you can shut the door, <laughs> shut the door. You can shut sure. the door to the noise if you've got a job to do and it, and it gets in the way. So, you know, so there was a lot of things and, and um, I decided to sort of write about the experience and, and talk to my direct constituents, which I believe to be people of foreign origin. That they mm-hmm. needed to understand, and, and not just them, but other Icelanders really need to look at it for what I was. You know, I wasn't just there as a punching bag. I was right. there as a testament to what can be done in this country and what we need to be mm. open for allowing people to do. So it was a kind of a personal speech, less than me going out with some political rhetoric. And I'd spoken right. about, um, because I realized that my way to get further was to embrace the Icelandic education system and that we needed to realize that that was the key to our society continuing to, to develop and accepting all this diversity. And, and just, you know, Iceland would be a better place if we could just make our education system open to everybody. 
And, right. Uh, right. and anyways, I mean, I don't remember all of the exact words, but I, um, I get up there in front of the camera and I look and it's, it's not the normal news camera. It looks bigger and, and there's this light and it's like this. And I'm like, okay. The, and I'm all <sighs> super makeup. Like my, my son says with like a clown and I've got, I've got, I've got this rock and dress on because I want people to, you know, say, yeah, that's our girl. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I look and I look down and I realize at the moment, this is huge. This is huge, yeah. not just for me, but for Iceland. And I get that little thing in my throat and I start out the roads and I'm like, God, I can't fail. And yeah. I shed a couple of tears and I stumble on my first words. And then I look up again, I take a deep breath and uh, I look at my parliamentarians, I and mean, there are a couple of them, and I saw they had the same thing. They yeah, got wow. it. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And I did it. Yeah. And uh, when I get home, first thing I see is on uh, one of the papers, they spoke out of, uh, of it like, hey, yeah, go on the news and talk about yourself and cry. Shed a couple of tears. It was taken very negatively in uh, some of the media and the way that yeah. the, the comments came and the things like that. But what happened in the room, in the parliament, mm-hmm. when, when the camera turned off, Everyone stood up, they clapped, mm. uh, I was embraced, and, and people were like, yeah, this is what we want for our country. So I thought, yeah, great, great. This is going to be a great next session. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's uh, well, intense. Yeah, you know, what ended up happening, though, is um, session ended, there was a huge, and people can look at and see, you know, back in context what happened, but um, our party um, broke the majority, uh, we went back out and voted, and I was voted out by an overwhelming majority, and there are no foreigners in our current parliament. Wow. And immigration laws are not being reformed. Uh, not enough is being done. So that, that moment that I had where I felt like, okay, this is this is great. We're, we're going to do things. These people, they get it. The people I work with were, and, and my idea was, you know, to continue to do a lot more for foreigners, and like I said, we no longer are represented in parliament and right. I don't see a lot of legislation that's opening up to do a lot more for us. Yeah. Even though the amount, the percentage of foreigners is growing in Iceland. Exactly. Growing yeah. and, and hopefully uh, not stalwarting because you can't have that. Right. You can't have a, a pop, uh, we're 14% now. And it's even, I think it goes up to 16% when you look at second generation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't yeah. have it like that. Numbers say that uh, we're, immigrants are the highest population not to make it through what would be uh, you know, a step beyond uh, high school here to, you know, to 18, 20. Yeah, highest yeah. dropout rates, uh, highest rates of unemployment now because of this newest recession due to, due to COVID. Um, we we uh, represent the highest eclans in the lower paying jobs. We have the mm. lowest opportunity for upward mobility. We're not represented, represented in management or specialists. So um, things got to change. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that on top of the fact that you're a foreigner and have been in this position, being a woman who showed emotion came into play? Is that something that you heard in the news at all? Without a doubt. The thing is, is at the time that I'm represented in parliament, there's another foreigner who was also uh, Pavel. He uh, was of Polish origin and he uh, moved here with his family when he was young. So he sort of grew up through school. He had a, he had a presence. He is a present in a, in a conservative party. 
and people mm-hmm. knew who he was and uh, he was a, a lot more accepted. And when I look back and people talked about it, even Pavel himself talked about it, that the, the slack and the trolling and the criticism that I got compared to him was just, mm-hmm. it, it was just, it was obvious. It was, it was right there. It was in your face. So I don't doubt for a moment that I was, uh, it's because I was a woman, uh, mm-hmm. because I dared to speak as a woman and, uh, and, and yeah, that I was a foreigner. The, the only thing that could have given anyone any more space would have been if I was a woman of color. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I know I've been, I've been warned not to talk about that, but there are times that I, I wish I would have been because then I just would have been a little bit more, Hey, Look at me and think about it. Reflect about where we're headed because none of this yeah. shit matters. None of it. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of talking more about this regarding women of foreign origin, yeah. you are involved as a board member, chairperson of the women, which is an acronym for women of multi-ethnic Network. Multicultural ethnicity <laughs> network. Yeah, there you go. I always like. I always have to look at my notes. And be like, yes, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot, but it's it's, right. it's, it's an acronym. Women. It spells out uh, women. Women. Yeah. Spells out women. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> and that organization. What is the purpose of it? Is it you know helping supporting women of foreign origin here? Like, what happens and and why is that an important thing for you to be well, involved in? We have two primary roles. One is advocacy which is done through formal channels like um, when, when legislation comes out, we, we write referrals or, or bring attention to what needs to be, uh, how we need to be represented in that, in that legislation. And, uh, and we, you know, put our noses into things at ministries and, and municipal municipality levels. Um, and the other thing is through support. And support is in, uh, in the form of, of networking, and I guess the third thing that we found that we have to do better on and, and we have to because just institutions in general don't do well enough. And that is, is uh, the diversion or the getting information out there, letting people mm. know. Like I, like I mentioned, you know, I didn't know I had a right to a union. Even when I had a union, I didn't know what my union fees were going for, what rights I had. I was mm-hmm. four years paying in a union before I knew that I could get money to pay back for that tuition. So I didn't really need to be working three cleaning jobs while I was yeah. in school. Or, or exactly. that, you know, I had rights, uh, there's all kinds of rights that, I mean, in Iceland, we have an amazing union network that in the yeah. United States, we don't even have. And people no. just don't Not know. Not for everybody. There are yeah. just certain positions, like teachers, for instance, or, you know, other uh, industries that have it, but not everybody. And that was a shocker to me as well, coming mm-hmm. here and being like, oh, everybody can be, you know, that's, that's right. Thing, you know? And you could choose, so, yeah. you can choose. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and those rights, they're there and you're supposed to have a representative. And I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's just, and there's so much stuff that, because the other, the, the thing about it is, is you come from a country where you have an understanding. I think that mm-hmm. we can agree that no matter where you come from, you don't have a complete understanding. Things are vast. You don't, I mean, you don't know about your healthcare system necessarily until you have to use it. Right. And and then you go to somewhere else where they have a completely different one where maybe you have more rights and you just don't think to ask about it. So, Mm -hmm. so that's something that we're, we're working on, that we do and we're working on is uh, informing women of their rights and responsibilities, because a lot of those rights don't open up until you've fulfilled certain responsibilities. Right. Um, And, and, and then again, the, the advocacy, it's so important. 
And right now we just we just released another another questionnaire. We're trying to look specifically because of this COVID thing. It's hit mm-hmm. hard on the immigrant population. We need to know, you know, where is it? Where are you hit hard? And what can we do? And what can we force other people to understand needs to be done? Right. And then that whole networking thing, because it's super easy to isolate here. And mm-hmm. uh, one of our advocacy things was was uh, rolling out Me Too in mm-hmm. our specific voices because our situations were, um, what do you want to say, tainted and colored by the uh, discrimination and exclusion that women of foreign origin have experienced. It made them mm-hmm. much more vulnerable. So, right. um, so, so then, you know, working on these kind of things where we, we bring out the voices and, and put them in the box they need to be in. Mm-hmm. Because here in Iceland, we talk about gender equality and everything for women. We need a gender and ethnicity equality mm-hmm. bill. We really do. We need something that, a, a policy that shows up everywhere. Yeah, we need a little absolutely. affirmative action is what we need. Regardless yeah. of what you think about it, it gets the ball rolling and it gets people thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just even a part of that when it comes to the language, you know, <laughs> just, I, I was informed by another person who lives in Sweden who immigrated there about how the classes in Swedish are free yep. for people who are foreigners. Mm-hmm. So even that there, because now there are a lot of people who are affected by COVID, meaning they're not working and they want to improve their skills. So Icelanders are going back to school and foreigners as well. And some of them mm-hmm. are specifically going to language school so that they can then have the language. So, you know, if they need to work in some other industry or whatever else, they can be more qualified or feel like they're more, mm-hmm. you know, um, of a candidate. Uh, a qualifiable candidate for a job because the language is such a barrier for so many individuals. Right. And then the perception of who, you know, so this kind of jumps a bit into the Diavaf article that I saw where you were speaking out about an advertisement that Lanspitli, the national hospital, put out. And they had an advertisement specifically for someone who was working in the kitchen and it was a black woman wearing a hairnet. And looking very happy. I mean, you know, we both. And she's know always happy. Woman, she's she a is, wonderful she's, woman. <laughs> she, is, she is a ball of sunshine. To me. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, yeah, she is. So you know, lovely individual. And then you have uh, for nurses, it's a group of white women who are you know smiling as well. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Iceland, yes, you can find both, but there's a diversity in that's missing, and is is also an unconscious bias in this particular in this ad. Mm-hmm. So just could you talk a bit about having to address that in the, what the response was. Yeah. So it was, it was an interesting thing because, um, uh, number one, uh, we talk about my, uh, you know, our girlfriend that was, was, uh, was there not at all ashamed of her job. She no, just thought it was, yeah. she just thought it was a crappy picture at first. And no she saw it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though she always looks great. Her name is yeah, Janelle, No one way, asked her for it. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then when she looked at it and she put it together, she's like, well, wait a minute, what message are they sending? And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and like, I, like I mentioned earlier, immigration has not been a long ph- phenomena here. It's not something that's really well thought out. And it's, it's something people don't think about. If we roll it back just a little bit to language in job yeah. applications, when you apply for a job, it will say Icelandic skills, um, appreciated basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then they, and the way they define it is basically it allows for the interviewee to decide how good they think your Icelandic skills are. We don't have it based on anything. So, you know, you, you can go and, and, but it, it's a requirement. I mean, there are some jobs you have mm-hmm. to speak Icelandic. 
And right. it's a requirement that living here, you've got to speak Icelandic, but there's no, there's no, there's no ying to the yang. Right. You have to sort of go out and get your Icelandic skills, but it's required for you to have them. You mentioned Sweden, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Germany, Belgium, all of these places, they have incentives and programs and they have a scaling system. Mm. Uh, Germany, of course, they're so efficient where, where if you have C1 skills or whatever, I don't know the, the, all the levels, but they're, they're looking at it here. But if you meet a certain criteria, then you are what they say, is it efficient enough to get into this kind of program or this type of job mm. on the job market? If you get into this one, then you can be here and it, and it, it qualifies. So then when you fill out your job skills, you can say, just like you can with anything, you can say, I have a master's degree in this. You can say, mm-hmm. I have Icelandic skills that test in here. So there's right. no objectification about your skills. So that goes into that. And then when we get into the whole advertising and the whole, you know, um, precedent setting thing, when we went to the hospital to discuss this, there was one woman who took the initiative to answer our, uh, what do you want to say, complaint. And she mm-hmm. said, well, you know, I put the advertisement together and I, I, I just, you know, I didn't realize it. And I mm-hmm. had said, well, you know. I didn't say honey, but I said, you know, you need to realize that. I mean, McDonald's has had, you know, diverse advertisements for and a diversity policy since I was, you know, 10 years old, you know, 37 years or something like that. And she said, you know, we don't have anyone who's looking at these things, but we do have an Iceland anti-discrimination legislation where we have a right to say I was discriminated against in the job hiring process. Mm. And you can do it according to ethnicity. You can do it according to religion. You cannot do it according to language, but you can tie that into the ethnicity. Mm. You know, you can if, if you have a good lawyer. But but you can mm-hmm. take this to you can you can make it to the equality. There's like an equality institute, or and I, I guess okay. I would call it. You can you can make your complaint there. They'll look over it. They'll go through the the hiring thing, and 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 you know the other is discrimination in public. You know, say they would say that I couldn't come into a restaurant because I don't speak good enough Icelandic. Then. You can. Mm, I mean, they, yeah. they have this, but uh, it's most people are not both on both sides of the fence. They're not well enough informed about this legislation, so they don't right. know that in my advertising, I've got to be careful not to objectify and not to discriminate in 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 how I do this. And right. and then the people who are being discriminated against, they don't know enough about these laws and their rights to do this. Right. Yeah. And for the most part, as a person who is from another place, you just want to fit in. And complaining can come across, yes. especially if it's constructive criticism. I mean, if you're just nitpicking, that's another story. Mm-hmm. But actually complaining about something that deeply is either illegal or just emotionally yeah. hurtful, whatever it is, that can come across as being you know, non-compliant or not fitting into the society because now people might have their own ideas about who you are and if they've already have preconceived notions right. about where you're like the, where what people are like where you're from mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things you juggle in your mind you know when you look different when you sound different and all these different variables yeah and you know iceland is we're only what 340 something thousand or i don't know if it's 360 i don't know where we are right yeah, now I think it's, it's over 360,000 yeah okay Growing um, like crazy <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, the the thing of it is, we we are we have big time ideas. We we ha- we are our own nation, right? And yeah. we have all of the standards. But just the same, uh, the philosophy. It's not what you know. It's who you know is big time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
being the person who uh, speaks out is it's it's not an easy course to take. Um, right. And when it comes to, I mean, I I was just in a meeting this week with the Multicultural and a Council where we spoke to a victim from a horrible fire. And in this mm-hmm. fire, there were immigrants who were living uh, in illegal housing. That's the bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Illegal housing, and uh, I mean, there were just so many things that were wrong, and but people knew it, and people who were living there were were living in. Uh, they, they were also dealing with um, their rights being infringed upon on the job market, uh, wow. in the housing market, and people didn't dare to speak up because they were afraid they would lose their job or they would lose their housing, yeah. and losing those two things are. I mean, it's a human rights issue. But, yeah. but but we find it that it's it's really really difficult. And when people don't have, if we go back to that support network thing, where people feel isolated, they mm-hmm. don't have anyone who's advocating for them either within institutions or unions or things like that. It just doesn't happen. And uh, we right. we found with with Me Too, uh, for example, there were women who were living in conditions that allowed them to be abused, either physically, mm-hmm. sexually, or financially. Because their livelihood depended on it because it's the only place they had to live. That was the only person they knew in the country. And and, and I know that that's not indicative of Iceland. It's something that is part, it goes on in the world, but it's something that here in Iceland we could easily eradicate because we have, you know, all sorts of uh, support networks that are bound into our rights and in the Mm -hmm. systems that we have in our welfare, health, uh, and tax systems yeah. even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that kind of brings an interesting point when we were talking about this house fire, because I, once this happened and people were reacting to it there, you know, you heard people saying like, oh yeah, I've heard, known about this house for years. It's awful. And it's like, you know, it's, you think about it and you're like, well, that's terrible that everyone's known or so many people have known for years and yet mm-hmm. it's been allowed to go on like this. And then the fact that some people specifically from Eastern European countries are being recruited to come here and their housing is connected to their job contracts. So if you lose your job, if you were to complain about your housing and you lost your job, you could, you know, lose your housing as well. So now yeah. you're in a bind that you just feel like you you have to, you know, put up with abuse from your exactly. employer or the agency that connected you to this employer. Yeah. And it's it's just really sad to see. And uh Yeah. And 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 it just has to do with um. I mean, we we need more organizations like ours at Women, where where we you know do our best to make sure people understand that they have rights and that there are people they can look to for support. Right. Absolutely. And that it's great that this exists. And as you mentioned about the support piece, I think kind of go jumping into a little bit regarding the experience of coming into Iceland. Cause so many people I hear from are like, I want to move to Iceland yeah. and they don't have a connection to Iceland, meaning they don't know, you know, they're not married to an Icelander or dating one or maybe know any Icelandic people at all. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they're super excited about coming. And for many, the reality hits when you realize that Icelanders can be very friendly mm. and a lot of the times they are, but they can be very closed, meaning holidays are yeah. for family, you know, like yeah. their friend group. Yeah. So I, I'd love for you to talk a bit about that because you said you, when you came up, there weren't even that many foreigners. Yeah. And even to this day, though, it kind of continues with a, a very similar attitude towards yeah. like who gets let in. It, it definitely, it, there's definitely a, a whole click, a clique 
mentality here. It's not it's it's not something that people do uh, purposely or intentionally. No. It it's just ingrained. It's one of those you know when we talk about cultures in Iceland, you know there's there are lots of things that I, I love about them and they're very endearing. And and the, while this is endearing, that you know the the strengths and the and the ties. I mean, wow! If my if I still had my best friend from when I was six years old. That would be so cool. That's, you know, that's such a fairy tale thing, right? I mean, coming from a place like America where we just, you know, but here it's, it, it, it can be very exclusive and, uh, and it can be very hard for you to get into a clique. And we have something called Kundinkjar. I, I have all kinds of Kundinkjar on Iceland, but I think uh, really, really good friends. Uh, they, they fit under these 10 hand, these 10 fingers and the majority mm. of them are foreigners. <laughs> because they yeah. are in the same situations um but they'll have you know they, they have uh friendships uh from when they're in primary school and um mm-hmm. and and they're and they're so loyal uh to, to the point of where it can be annoying uh, <laughs> and and family first family yeah. first absolutely so you come yeah. in and and you're and you're the outsider and you maybe think oh i want to have an american christmas yeah, you're doing it on your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do it on the 25th because not yeah. as many people will care about the 25th. The 24th is the golden right. day where everyone is like gets dressed up and six o'clock sitting for dinner, has their, you know, all this stuff. I, I talked about this with someone the other day and they're like, I love celebrating it the American way on the 25th. I was like, but the 24th, you have to be with your Icelandic family. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> You know, dressed to the nines. Yeah, that was the first thing I was like, "Whoa, I have to have a ball gown." No, <laughs> not no, exactly, but, but I mean, pretty dressed up. So. Yeah, it is, and, and it can be. And when you come in, and you're and you're for, especially Americans, because you know a lot of people say, "Oh, they're so bubbly, they're so open." But Icelanders, from from the very beginning of me knowing Icelanders, I've heard people say that um, that Americans can be false because we we're always like, "Hi, how you doing?" I mean, I go to the grocery store in Michigan. I'm at the point where I've been. I'm so Icelandic that I go to the grocery store in, in Michigan, and the woman starts to talk to me about my kids, and I'm like. What's your problem? What's you know? <laughs> it's like it's none of my business, lady. <laughs> Drop into a different. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> no. But uh, but but but, um, but people say, but it's it's it, it is it's a different thing. It is. I mean, yeah. I I just spent six months in 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 California, you know, getting to know some people, and I was kind of like, oh. But then my birthday was two days ago. And they were sending me messages and they were, you know, and these are people that I just met for a tiny bit. And when I was there, they were, you know, my family. And, 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 and that is something that, you know, Americans, when they show up with their basket of, of, of goods, they mean it. They do mean, you know, mi casa su casa. (laughs) It's uh, but, but here it's sort of, you know, you, you, you've got to go the length to make it into that level Mm -hmm. where you can, but when you do make it in Mm -hmm. and you do get accepted, that door is open. Very true. It's just it's a lot just of work. Not <laughs> open. Yeah, it's definitely not open to everybody initially. In fact, it's not open to everybody. Period. I should say because I, I don't want to give people a false a false impression. Um, and also, when you're in, married to a family, you're initiated differently, of course, because yeah. now it's like this is someone that becomes family. So now you're getting to kind of you know interact and and learn. Dive into the deep end still, but it's a totally different thing of of not even being having access to the pool. 
Right. And, you know, here's the thing is, is, is um, the, 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 the point of the fierceness and the closeness, there's something that happens that I, they don't even realize. It happens subconsciously, but it does. There's exclusion that's tied into it. And not because they want to mm-hmm. keep you out, but I've been mm-hmm. just, for example, I've been to like great cocktail parties or dinner parties or whatever, where we're, you know, doing our thing. But then because they have this association that's a lifelong, you know, a lifelong thing or they're, you know, they've all been to the same sports club forever. They start to talk yeah. about something that you have no knowledge of and no one stops to say, oh, that's right. You don't know about Kitagule who peed his pants in the seventh grade. And explain you so you're, well, we're you're, all, you're everyone you're, at the party had been there, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, everything. There's there are inside jokes inside of inside jokes yeah. inside of, and they always come up and they have to do with all kinds of things. So it's like I mean, so many times that we'll be talking about something, and I'll be like, yeah, and you know, popping jokes and feeling good, and then all of a sudden I'm out here with my red wine glass all alone. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 it, it it's a thing. It's because they know, or they they talk about. Um, Maybe, maybe, you know, uh, Njal's saga or something like this. Yeah. That everybody had to read in the third grade. I mean, and, and, and because Iceland is small and because, of course, everyone does. I mean, you and I can speak about Abraham Lincoln. The world knows. So it's, you right. know, we can, people can take part at a certain depth in the conversation or be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He wore a hat. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't know the same context, you know. But uh, here there are things that there's just no way. I mean, and I mean, right. like I've yeah. lived here 20 years and you can talk about all kinds of places in Iceland. I just don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And then I get there yeah. and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is Ray the Fjordland. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. I find it endearing in one point. And yeah, like you said, very isolating, even when you are technically part of the family or the circle, because you're just like, well, this is my time to just be, just chill and uh, yeah. get my own thoughts. And a lot, you know, just like you, you've developed your own way of coping in essence yeah. in order to not feel like it's that big of a deal because yeah. it's true. They have their um, experiences and it's really fascinating because you find out tidbits about people that you weren't expecting if you are listening to mm-hmm. what they're saying, mainly because you're just like, oh, okay, was it like that? You know, like, and, and also the jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's the, the, sometimes, I sometimes tune out the jokes only because they're a bit beyond what I my humor, I'll just say it like that. <laughs> oh like, my gosh! Be a crude. <laughs> and when I first I came here, oh my gosh, I was just like, oh, "Did she say that? Yeah. Was she?" And now, and, and now, I've had to tone it down when I go home. Yeah, one, exactly. uh, one, one, one woman, she, she was like, "You are so crude. People are just—they—they they just, you know, you gotta tone yeah. it down." And I was just. Yeah. I was being funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're, talking about, you're shedding this persona as a person coming from the U.S., which I think is fascinating too, and how yeah. you take on these Icelandic things. Yeah. Hey, the Hilarious. weirdest thing. The weirdest <laughs> thing is nudity. Okay, mm. if we're gonna put on, we're gonna go full American here. Yeah, yeah. I was not a member of the of the nudie club, and uh, okay, you know, I'm very. Yeah, I just wasn't, and I had to get used to the you know because the pools are a cultural mm-hmm. center here. And I love it. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, you know, at women, anytime I can have an opportunity to get a swimming class going for women of foreign origins, I'm like, let's do it because this is your key. <laughs> it's your key to the hot tub, but you got to yeah. get used to being naked You're walking around naked. And in the beginning I was just, uh, I was just shaking. And then I'd, I'd taken wow. the job in the preschool. And I, so I'm in the, I'm, I'm starting to get used to it. And I've got my little shower shoes on because my husband said, you got to wear your shower shoes. And I'm all naked and I'm walking. And the first time I'm walking with my tatas out and I'm just, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and a kid from the preschool walks up to me 
And I just went into, wah! Oh, no! <laughs> I was like, I'm going to jail! She just saw my everything! She knows! <laughs> And, and this is little... at the in the pool in the dressing room. Yeah, by the in way, the dressing room. Yeah, it's not I'm just like, like everywhere. In the country. Yeah. Well, and the because you, you got to go to the showers, but you got to get to the right. showers from this side. So you you know you, you've got a good six to ten meter walk. You know, just naked. You just you just have to learn to like your body or ignore it one or the other yeah, so the what? little girl and i'm all oh my god her, where's her mom I, I you know i'm just all you know i'm full-on american here i i just flashed a kid i'm done and the <laughs> little girl little girl looks up at me and she says i like your shower shoes and i was Aww, like that's so cute yeah i was like okay okay i can do this <laughs> You have fashionable shower shoes, Nicole. They had flowers on them. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, that is I definitely. I've had friends come over because I, I don't know why, but the I guess the naked part just hasn't been something that was as big of a deal for me. But I had friends who were coming over, and I was like, okay, when we go to the pool, because this is a quintessential part, so we have to go. You have to shower naked, or else you'll have Icelanders or at least people who live here telling you, hey, you got to go to the shower and use soap and be naked and whatever. And they were like, they had their towels on and they put the towels, uh, you know, around themselves and were taking their clothes off and trying to keep their towels on before they would actually get to the shower. And it was, it was a whole thing. And even when we got back, the same thing, like they had their towels on as soon as they could get them and were trying to get dressed this way and just were like keeping their head straight, like not looking at anybody else. And I was like, it's okay. You know, (laughs) no one cares, but that is not, you know, if you don't, if you're not used to it, it is super hard and I just and witnessing it from the meaning like being here now and being here for such a a while it's like wow is that was it was I ever like that like I I don't remember it being like that but possibly yeah uh, that was there was something that and and and, uh you know, and because I have the fun story, then it's not. It, it, it's easier to say about it now but it's it's just what happens it's just a a part of it it's getting used to it yeah Yeah, (laughs) definitely and in regards to as a whole for foreigners in Iceland, mm-hmm. what challenges do you think that they face? Because we've talked specifically about women, but are there any other challenges that maybe foreigners who are thinking about coming to live here or mm-hmm. already do might have in common that they're not aware of? Mm. Um, def- definitely be prepared for the expense. I, I know you've gone over this on, on previous podcasts, but um because it's you know it's it's one thing when you first get here and everything and like okay food but it's just you know the the, the living expense of it. Mm. Icelanders they work hard, and uh, which you know it's not unknown to us Americans. We are pretty hardworking too, but right. um, you work hard and your money maybe doesn't just go so far. And the options for living different types of lifestyles. Icelanders like to live you know, a high standard. I mean, and I, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I, mean, I went, The six months I spent in California when I came back, everybody had a Range Rover and a Tesla and I don't know where they got the money because we're in COVID. <laughs> That's what I've been asking. So like, I was like, people are not going on vacations, but they're buying new houses and new cars. What am I missing? <laughs> it's like interest rates are low. And yeah. I was like, but even still, what kind of vacations were you taking? Because I want to yeah. go with you on vacation if you have right. money. That's right. It's just that there, there is a high standard of living, and you and you see yeah. it in in the way and um and and be prepared for a, a little bit of a just for that lack of diversity that you that you know. Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on where you come from, 
But yeah. um, you, you maybe, and it, it depends, you know, where you settle. If you settle and you, you know, like us, you hang with the foreigners, then it's fine. But there, there is a lack of, of diversity. And I, and I, when I go home or when I go to London or whatever, and I see it in, in the way people dress, the way mm. people speak, uh, the different types of houses that people live in, there's, it's, it's just something that, that really you should just, you know, be aware that there, there is a lot of sameness here. Mm-hmm. And that we fall into it. I, I, I've found that. I mean, I, I, in many ways, dress and and behave and do my house more like an Icelander now. Not necessarily just because that's what are options for me, because I can order and buy and do whatever I want, but because that's how it is here. And and yeah. and, and and it's just something. And, and I and I mean, I love it when I go home to California and there's carpet on people's floors or. <laughs> You know, and the people have real fireplaces and, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're, there's just a lack in that. There's a lot more now than when I moved here 20 years ago. I mean, when you look mm. at like restaurants and things like that, but, but just, just be prepared for a little bit of that, that lack of diversity. If, if it's something that you love in life. Yeah, for sure. Or just, if you're going to live here know that you need to go travel to other places, maybe fulfill that part for yourself. Yeah. Wow. Hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overall, though, your experience—if you sum it up—has it been positive? Meaning, like, do you see yourself continuously staying in Iceland? What is your kind of take on it at this point in your life? Um, at this point in my life, it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, you know, even though there have been you know some difficulties, I am just as thankful, if not more thankful, for those. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Had I not come here and, and, and experienced a little a little prejudice and, and, and worked with people who trusted me for the prejudices they've they've done, then I would I swear to God I'm ashamed to say it, but I would just be a privileged white American. Mm. <laughs> I just wouldn't I did not realize how many things I, I took for granted. Um, my experience overall has obviously been good. I am am very, very privileged to have uh, gone you know been able to do things that I maybe never would have experienced had I not moved here I mm-hmm. know um I, I I just the people and the wealth of um things that I've learned from people my experience is maybe different than than others but I mean I like I said I live in a culturally diverse uh neighborhood and uh I have two children who are living in in a world where they know people from Nepal and Thailand yeah. and Ghana and uh, Korea and and Iceland, Iceland. yeah, it's and they they awesome. they know these things and they 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 don't they don't know prejudice uh, in in mm. the sense that they they don't know how to do it. They were um, asked to take part in an interview once. Um, you know, as children, just speaking honestly in the interviewer, it's asked them about, you know, and what if someone has a different color of skin or a different color of, of hair? And I wasn't anything, have anything to do with it. I just sat in another room and my little daughter, she sat with her little hands in her pocket and she said, I think that's kind of bad. And if anyone says it's not, then they're bad. And my son was <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, uh, and then my son was just like, he, he kind of looked at the camera like the guy, you know, you know, what, what's wrong with you? They're just people. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's something that, you know, I had to learn. And for them, it was so uh, it's been a wonderful experience because that's something that my, you know, my children and I that we have 
and we can continue to, to, to give and to, yeah. you know, and um, so it's been one, I, I just, I love it. And I, and I, all those quirky things that we talked about that, you know, people should, you know, that maybe were difficult to encounter. I love that about Iceland. I, I love yeah. that they love everything Icelandic and, and that they have their own private little club and, you know, I'm working to get in there and I, I just love it. And, and the other thing is, Jesus Christ, we couldn't live in a more beautiful place. Right. Absolutely. We absolutely. really couldn't. Uh, it is absolutely wonderful here. I um, I would say to sure. everyone, if it were easy to get in, do it. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a great place, and I'm I'm just thankful. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're gonna wrap it up with one last question. Okay. And that is like the signature question of all things Iceland. <laughs> what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? My favorite Icelandic word or phrase is both my favorite and my least favorite. And that is <laughs> because Icelanders use it to sort of explain away responsibility and, and, and thinking with like, you know, long-term goals and whatever. They throw caution to the wind and eh, we're going to go into a recession. <laughs> so we have lots buy of unemployment. Buy a car. Yeah, you know, it, it, but uh, when I put it into my experience and experience of, of, of people that I advocate for and I'm so fortunate enough to know, you know, I look mm -hmm. at that as sort of, it's going to be okay. And mm -hmm. it's going to be okay because it, it can be here. I mean, I'm, I'm a testament of it. I came here years ago. I had a, a difficult experience. Um, uh, I was abused in, in, in a few different ways when I first came here and I wasn't told about my rights and um, I don't get into all the details of it but uh, you know yeah. it was a tough knock and I, all I could think about was getting out of here and yeah. uh but to being you know 16 years of living here you know working a little hard taking a couple of lumps to being a parliamentarian yeah. and uh having Amazing. great friends knowing people like like you who uh, I'm, I'm I'm honored and privileged and, and embarrassed to hear you say you <laughs> have some kind of respect or fondness for me what? Yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine that anyone looks at me and says, Hey, that girl. No, you know, I just, but, but, uh, it's, uh, so that the rest is, uh, it's a testament to the fact that, uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's one of my favorite and least favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes awesome. any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think it all falls in the top of that. It, it'll all be work out, meaning it'll all be understood in the end anyway. <laughs> but you, but uh, I can't let you go without me asking you a question because this mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. Have you voted or made a plan to vote? Absolutely. I've already voted. My ballot has been received. I did it a while ago. Well, as, as early as I could, um, mm -hmm. considering, you know, timelines and things and I sent it express mail because I was so afraid yep. that it wouldn't make it yeah. and I'm good yeah and I hope that everyone who is from the U.S. Uh, by the time this comes out has voted I mean it's as you're you know a U.S. citizen you have that right and it is something that we all should exercise yeah. because this is the future of the country that even if we don't live there it's a huge part of our, our identities you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I also just think it's really important um, that we help to create the change we want to see. And in this case, exactly. there's a whole lot of change that needs to happen <laughs> starting <laughs> yeah. on, on November 3rd. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, you know, this is, this is about democracy. The world is watching. Absolutely. 
um, and regardless of what um, the maniac in the White House right now says, I mean, I the information that is out there and accessible, the manners by which and the options that everyone has to vote are, I mean, it's it, 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 it's just so important. And the America is is important. I don't care what anyone yeah. anyone says. And what we yeah. do, the world watches. And if we do this well and we do this right, it will affect the things that we're seeing happening in other places. So Absolutely. glad you voted. Yeah. My vote is counted. I uh, am nice. so happy. And and thank you so much for having me. This was great. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And I just want to also say a quick shout out to all the people that have stood in line for many hours just to vote. Whew, I am I am so thankful yes. and proud of all of you just for the sheer fact that you're just like, I'm not going to let anything stop me. That's amazing. Yeah. I bow down to them. Absolutely. Nicole, it has been an absolute pleasure having <laughs> you. I am so thankful. I know you're like, how could you look at me like that? But just know that you are an inspiration to so many. And I hope that the people that listen to this take your insights, your experience, and use it to help continue that you know for us to have a more integrated and inclusive society because that's what's really what we're all like working yeah. towards trying to do right is have different right. voices uplifted and make society better why not that's mm-hmm. you know that's what it's all about it's about us Absolutely. yes and you thank you out there and, and, you, yeah, and, you, and you out there and all of us are here yeah. <laughs> thank you. see ya bye, bye.